What is up, everyone? This is Press X to Start Podcast Season 6, Episode 12. Press X to Start Podcast is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. I am your host, back at it again, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. I just want to give it up to Avery and Sean because they did an amazing job last episode and it was immaculate. So thank you, boys. You did great. Review the mix. <laughs> well, there's only one, and it's my review, so it's not me. A.K.A. I just want to make this announcement very public and very clear for all those who don't know that Press at Start Podcast has been officially chosen to be in the next DC Web Fest award show. So we did it. Oh, okay. There's no clapping. Can we get at least well, someone, one, someone I mean, else being Marcus like, a, Marcus, do it in post. It's fine. There we go. Marcus will nail it. I, th- I thought we were told not to make noise while you were doing an intro. We were just following the rules there, my guy. <laughs> I, I, I literally already broke that rule. I was muted the entire time. <laughs> I am Sean M.F. Ross. What the MF stand for? I am no longer standing. Oh. That's true. This this guy was about to just do swats through the entire episode. And I'm like, this this is just amazing. He'd be sweating before what we've been playing. Who else is here? Your boy Jordan, aka JX Spot, aka Hmm. Dungeon Master Jordan, I guess. Well. Come this on. This man got his own dungeon. Yes. Mark me down as scared and horny. It is what it is. And last up, hi everyone, it's me, Avery. Nailed it, as always. Beautiful. All right, that is who we are. And the things that we'll be talking about, uh, specifically, Jeff Keighley dancing on E3's grave in (laughs) immaculate fashion. (laughs) Um, NetEase now owns Star Wars in, in a very weird and unexpected way. Um, and then the new PlayStation Plus is here. Well, it's here in terms of his announcement, and we're going to talk about the announcement. And everyone is excited for the new PlayStation Plus. Not really. All right. Uh, with that being said, I think it is time for us to jump into the quick hits. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's me, Avery. Uh, the rest of the team is here, so I've got some moral support. However, my mom did do a review of last episode, and she said not a fan. So let's uh, let's see if I can't <laughs> let's see if I can improve through that. <laughs> anyway, our first story is from IGN. This is from uh, Rebecca Valentine. Uh, E3 2022 digital and physical has officially been canceled. <laughs> oh man! I am... Hands up! Uh... Hands up! Uh, so, shout out to both uh, Greg Miller and Xavier Woods, responsible for uh, being chosen to be the host of E3 content, and then immediately getting that shit canceled the next year. So, uh, Predator, yeah. arm shaking in the chats. Uh, but yeah, after previously canceling its in-person event, the ESA has now informed its partners that there will be no digital event equivalent this year either, meaning E3 2022 has officially been canceled. Uh, I want to say E3 2020 was the first affected by the pandemic, which is a full-on, we can't do anything, guys. I'm like, oh, that's understandable. Uh, 2021 is when they did their 
big digital E3 event. They also had to do that in the midst of uh, Jeff Grubb's Summer Game Mess and Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, which was, uh, certain people tell you it was a great series of content. I will tell you that, <laughs> man, I really miss the time when everyone had their shit together. Totally agree. So this year, they're like, all news was stating that, like, in the world where live events are starting to come back and, like, GDC just happened and DICE just happened and people are getting physical for those things. Even in the midst of this pandemic, you'd think the idea of an E3 would happen or they would at least put in plans to do Mm -hmm. one before all looks and everything. Uh, There's absolutely nothing. No E3. Now, an addendum to this story is around the time before E3 was announced, Jeff Keighley put on the internet a uh, winky face emoji. And then the minute E3 was canceled, Jeff Keighley immediately came out with a tweet. Hey, everyone, I'm proud to announce the Summer Game Fest is back for 2022. Like Sting in the rafters, staring down <laughs> on the immobilized body of E3, Jeff Keighley oh came my God. with the SmackDown. Black Air Force energy. Absolutely. <laughs> I, um, I meant to share it in the um, Discord, but uh, I saw a meme going around of the Undertaker meme. So ah, was, there you I, go. Yeah, who's in the front? But that guy was E3, and an Undertaker was Jeff Keighley. There you go. <laughs> ah, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, how how does everyone feel that we're not getting an E3 again this year, and we're getting more of Jeff Keighley Summer Game Fest? I think all the major publishers kind of like adjusted themselves last year around. I mean, like E3 was kind of in the background of all like the bigger ones while they were strung together but each publisher can like run their own thing through their youtube through their facebook through their instagram of all they want to do and not have to program it around like this monday tuesday wednesday schedule the e3 tends to do because usually not work when e3 happens so yeah uh, e3 is not necessary right now um, I think Sony's been doing their thing for a while. Nintendo has had their Nintendo Directs and Treehouses. Uh, mm-hmm. What was anybody really expecting from E3 these past couple years? That was big. You know, it's so yeah. funny how uh, sort of like prescient Sony was. Everyone gave them shit for dropping out of E3 like four years ago. And now here we are and like they read the tea leaves. Yeah, um, it's kind of weird. Like. I think for me, growing up, E3 was such a big thing. Huge. Yeah, it was our mecca. You wanted to go there at some point during your lifetime. And, and it's it thrived like, during a time pre this super surges of YouTube. Exactly. So, like, I have all these memories of just watching G4 TV, just literally just watching the same game trailers over and over again just to be a part of this thing that's all on the other side of the U.S. Like, it's it was so awesome. It's upsetting. I never went when I had the chance. I know. So, like... Yeah. Where, where I'm at, it's just like, man, the, the fact that E3 is canceled and more than likely, like, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Avery, but they said they're going to come back in, in full fashion next year in an in-person event. And it's like, OK, hopefully we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, deal. <laughs> but like, I am I'm saddened just for the headline, but I'm also excited to see how Jeff Keighley could step up to this and Mm -hmm. essentially become that E3 that everyone looks to. And I think what E3 is transformed into right now is just like, I don't like that. Like, I I think people are supporting it, but it's just, we all know that it's so expensive to do. And and a lot of developers don't really want to be a part of it because of the money. And I think rent booth space and stuff. Yeah. 
yeah. Also, organizing the trailers for them takes time too. Editing the trailers yeah. and shit like that. That was uh, that yeah. was something that publishers and small developers are like, ah, we got time for this. Let's focus on making right. the games, and they'll come out. Yeah, and I, I think if Jeff Keighley can can create an event that is, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the same level of E3 because that's a lot of expectation. But if he can just do something that's similar to that, I think he can use this year to really overtake E3 and become the thing that everyone wants to, you know, watch and, and essentially put money to. Because I yeah. think that's, it's going to be a thing of next year, he's going to need more sponsors to make whatever this thing he's going to make better. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. So, uh, I've, I've made my, I guess, like random jabs about the state of E3 and the Summer Game Fest. I think the power of E3 was that, hey, everyone, here's a week where we consolidate all of our game news into a single place. When Jeff Keighley took control, it was essentially him just putting his name on the other publishers and groups doing their own things, whether it needs to be done or not. So Mm. every once in a while you get, hey, Xbox pulling it out for their big summer fest. Cool. Okay. Maybe Nintendo will put out a random direct. Probably not going to be involved with it, but Jeff Keighley's going to make sure it's his name is on it. Uh, yeah. so, so PlayStation doing something later. Hmm. Does the Embracer Group need an event? Oh, Jesus Christ, Embracer Group. Not at all. Uh, this is going to sound crass. Does the Indie uh, Gamer Super Cave need a two-hour event? Does Gearbox need an event? I like Square. Does Square need an event? Does Capcom yeah. need an event? Yeah, this has been my rub with the Jeff Keighley Summer Game Fest era. Like, if you want to do fifty different conferences, then don't put them every other week. Consolidate into one at the best one month time of conferences, and then I won't right. maul when I have to sit through a two hour Embracer conference because <laughs> I know that I'll get done with this now. Like, it's it's um, yeah, yeah. I, I I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I agree that E3 has become a weird dinosaur. But Keeley Summer Game Fest haven't gotten the renown that I guess the E3 has. Like, I'm not excited for the Keeley Summer Game Fest because honestly, it's like, okay, I'm waiting for the publishers to announce, hey, when are their press conferences going to be? And then I'm going to yeah. pick and choose what I actually care about. In E3, I literally watch every press conference because literally yeah. it was so easy to digest. So I'm just. That was, that was their block to watch the stuff. So you just yeah. did mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And as much clout that's. Uh, I guess Keeley has, I don't think he has caught enough to tell every major publisher, hey, this is when you're going to do your press conference. Get it ready, get your content ready. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if E3 was affecting publishers negatively as far as crunch, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In terms of having something to show when it wasn't ready to be shown or announcing stuff way too early. Yeah, because it was a whole vertical slice thing. Like everyone had to stop their production to create this vertical slice for E3. And, you know, that stuff is not a thing that you get done in a couple of weeks. Like that takes months. So if you think about it, like they probably have to stop producing or stop developing the game maybe like March to start working on that vertical slice. Not necessarily start developing the game, but have a team. Well, like split a team off. Yeah. 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 So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I really hope with the cancellation of E3 that when Jeff reaches out to the publishers, they are more inclined to hear his plans and like more inclined to go with it versus doing their own thing. Cause like, yeah, like they can do their own thing and, and probably pull in numbers. But I think, especially if I don't remember the, the, the date or time of his event, but if it's going to be the same 
area or same time span as where E3 used to be. Is it? Well, that's the it's thing. Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest is like his opening night live. Wait. So like, it I, ends with opening night live. Yeah, like it's like three yeah. major events that he puts on. It's his like uh, keynote thing where he gets a bunch of gamers. Then he has this Gamescom thing somewhere in there. And then he ends it with Game Awards. So you also remember Summer Game Fest mm-hmm. doesn't end until Game Awards. It's this long that's thing. True, and then you have all these people in between it. My thing is, I'm going to reiterate, I don't think he has the clout to tell Sony when to do their conference. I don't think he has the clout to get Nintendo to do it. He probably does with Xbox because they're more willing to play a game with like his promotional stuff. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think it's like if PlayStation puts a conference out, it's going to be like fucking September, August. <laughs> and Nintendo's probably going to do one in like July or some shit. And he's just going to be like, hey, well, remember this one? Oh, it's, it's dumb. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next story. <laughs> Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Long live E3. E3 is dead. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so our next story is from uh, Windows Central. This is from Samuel Tolbert. Uh, NetEase reportedly acquiring Star Wars Eclipse developer Quantic Dream. So, French development studio Quantic Dream is reportedly being acquired by NetEase, a Chinese gaming company known for partnering with Western developers to release localized versions of games. Uh, This is not concrete. This is sort of confirmed but not announced sort of news in regards to this acquisition. Uh, we'll see how this pans out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's a thing of NetEase just buying the developer but then letting them continue working how they were. Well, I don't even well, know if that's actually a good thing because how yeah, they were working say. wasn't really great for <laughs> studio. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know, but I think this was a very surprising announcement drop to come out, and a lot of people just like, wait, NetEase is buying Quantic Dream? The people who are working on the Star Wars Eclipse game? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's a big surprise. Uh, we'll see. If there's anything to say with this, it, with most acquisitions, it's all about the team itself getting the support they need so they don't have to be working paycheck to paycheck or from game to game in order to support themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So, more power than at ease. It's nice to hear an acquisition story, not coming from one of the, I guess, right. big incent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Our, our next story is from Kotaku. Rip DJ in the chat. This is from Ari Notice. Breath of the Wild sequel delayed to 2023. Nintendo apologizes. To who? Nah, I, I'm. Who's, who's Nintendo apologizing to? That's still an April Fool's joke. Tragic. Me, they're apologizing to me because they know that I picked this for my fantasy league and I was relying on that game because freaking Sean is out here getting all the numbers and shit. The last Path of the Wild came out in 2018. <laughs> you know, it's like, like barring all the shit we're going through in terms of game development, like I, I'm give developers and publishers as much time as they need to finish this shit. It's it's tough out here. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely like like. Me playing that character that's upset because they're ruining yeah, my numbers. I, I I'm it. completely okay with them taking the, the time they need to make Breath of the Wild a hit. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sad. I think <laughs> anything, anything that hurts DJ and his fantasy <laughs> is more power to us. Because at this point, I'm playing for second place. I'm playing for second place. And I think I prefer to have Sean on top than DJ and have him cheat once again next year. So <laughs> to get first pick, AV over here trying to demand a recount. <laughs> I'm on that train too. Watch I get first pick next year too. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, if you're the one who starts the draft, you're going to get first pick. It's, the order is going to be the order that we currently have. Yeah. Which is something you need to figure out. But yeah, um, I would never have the mindset that Breath of the Wild sequel was coming out this year. I know a lot of people were like super hyped about it. Yeah. Cause, like, yeah. And if I'm in the development cycle, it makes sense. But like. They haven't shown anything. They haven't shown anything about this. They haven't teased anything about it. They've, it's been they radio- like what? 30 seconds or something a year or two ago? Yeah. A year before, they showed the teaser, which is like a cutscene. Last year, they showed actual gameplay, and yeah. it's... Because the first time they showed uh, Zelda and Link, or I should say Zelda and Zelda, going underground, and they reached the place or whatever. Creepy and creepy face thing, yeah. Yeah. And then they showed more of that, plus, like, the sky zone and ground zone and the, the character that we all... We don't know who... Oh, uh, okay. I kind of kind of remember that. Yeah. I need to finish the first one. Yeah. Mm. More power to you. Okay, uh, this is another Kotaku story. This is from Ethan Gotch. Allegation of sexism, bullying, and burnout inside the Microsoft studio behind State of Decay 3. Uh, the video game industry faces a long overdue reckoning. The average game developer is underpaid relative to the generous bonuses and shareholder payouts enjoyed by the CEOs above them. And recent reports on lawsuits have uncovered a wide range of mistreatment across companies big and small. Many feel that something needs to change, and some industry leaders have openly agreed, but change is hard, it takes time, it can be costly. Maybe that's why even companies who talk a good game on workplace culture and responsibility can still come up short. This is a direct quote from Phil Spencer. Our responsibility is simple. Do everything possible to ensure that this entire industry is about treating every single person with dignity and respect. Microsoft CEO Phil Spencer said on stage to a room full of game developers last month, at the 2022 Dice Awards. The Xbox veteran has been beating this drum for a long time, but even he admits that he and other leaders haven't always risen to the challenge. So this is a very interesting article because it essentially reveals that the team behind Save the K has not been in a good place, but it also posits that Microsoft himself has turned around the studio in certain aspects, but there still is a lot of talk internally of the studio about how bad it got. And one interesting thing about this is, so when the story broke, uh, they reached out, Kotaku reached out to Microsoft PR in regards to a statement. And this is a weird ass statement for me, which is a very PR company ass statement about the situation. When pressed about all the information they got, Microsoft PR essentially, this is from Matt Booty specifically, every studio Xbox is given the resources and the guidance they need to grow in both capability and culture. What that support looks like will vary by studio, but each has a direct connection with Microsoft. HR resources outside of what they have on their team and the ability to work with the other studios and partner teams to leverage their expertise. Essentially, all Microsoft employees, including our studio teams, are required to regularly complete our standards of business conduct training, which covers topics like harassment, supplier code of conduct, and more. Over the last few years, Undead Labs has seen a number of positive changes, and we are confident in the direction the team is taking State of the K3, one of our most ambitious open-world games in development. So this statement semi-acknowledges everything that's happened before, but downplays it to a certain extent in regards to where the team is now. Mm-hmm. And, like, hmm. I was looking at the article, too, like, when you shared it, because, like, I think about a few months ago, Microsoft had... Like a, like a cash infusion into State of Decay to scale up the development, um, to like redo the engine and all this stuff. But my question, like when I was reading it, was the timing of it because there was a developer, there was a current developer that was interviewed recently and said that yes, those issues had occurred up until recently, to which it has quote unquote approved, but. They're not saying specifically in what way it approved. Like you talked about indicators, including a more diverse staff, 
um, like it's just improvement is a very flexible word. Yeah. But yeah. I think one of the quotes from the article pretty much points out that you can be as diverse and inclusive as you want if you're not giving those minority groups the tools to succeed. Right. Because I think one of the quotes in there was, indicates that they've, from what I can tell, this is actually goes in tandem with the uh, initiative story we got ages ago. Microsoft is apparently really hands-off with yeah, all of their studios, which, which makes sense with they have 30 of them, and it's like going to be impossible to be on top of everything. So every studio essentially fend for yourself unless you really need us for help kind of situation, I believe. Mm-hmm. And as a direct result, you get situations where on top, they're forcing these practices, which are for the betterment of the studio. But internally, the teams themselves haven't adapted to creating the perfect inclusive standpoint which sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I remember a couple stories about talking about where the shoe was going to continue to drop when it comes to these type of stories. And it keeps falling down that massive flight of stairs. Uh, I, think, I don't think we ever talked about this, but like the Ori developer, who Microsoft doesn't own, but they were specifically really in tandem with Microsoft for years, also yeah, went through yeah. a lot of this bullshit. And I'm hoping that Phil Spencer is truly the man of his word and not mm-hmm. just the corporate face of Xbox, and that we won't see any of these stories ever coming out of Xbox. Right. Yeah, there, right. there's like DEI and how it is being translated to organizations, both public and private. It's not a uh, one size fits all. Real quick, for those who don't know, what is, what is DEI? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Cool. And one part of it is the product itself, the services themselves, and how they affect consumers and, you know, residents, people like us. The other side of it is the treatment of staffing themselves, like, you know, the the hiring, um, the support. And like when the president, you know, President Biden signed that executive order to make DEI more of a national investment, all these companies, both private and public, began like they had to reform themselves and they're tripping over themselves while reforming. It's a very deliberate action. And yeah, like we have to make sure to keep on holding them accountable. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, and then our final story, which is a cornucopia of Activision Blizzard stories. Uh, <laughs> our first one is that this is from Kotaku as well. This is from Sissy, I'm going to say Zhang. Uh, Activision Blizzard settles sexual harassment lawsuit for 18 million. Uh, the U.S. District Judge Dale Fisher approved an 18 million relief settlement with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission today. This, this settlement comes months after Activision Blizzard originally agreed to settle with the EEOC on September 27, 2001. So essentially, this is like, I guess, the culmination of a lot of the Activision Blizzard bullshit we've heard for the last year from a government body sort of forcing change upon them. This being a you have to take this money and physically inject it into your ecosystem to make it a better place. Mm-hmm. The outcome that you're stating, the $18 million, they're, they're saying like that's not the best outcome yeah. in terms of like the fine print. If you were going to get into that, I apologize for... for kind no, of no, you're, you're correct. It's like, this is the settlement. And ideally, you don't have to be a lawyer or have a law degree to recognize when settlement is made. It's rarely in the interests yeah. of, yeah. p- of the party who's going to be receiving the settlement. Because this is mm-hmm. traditionally the company saying, hey, to shut all this down, here's some pocket change from us that won't really affect our bottom line. <laughs> yeah, 18 million. That's, yeah. They're being sold yeah. for 68 billion, my guy. Yeah. It's, that yeah, is right. nothing to them. Yeah. <sighs> uh, 
to add insult to injury on this, uh, here's another activist Blizzard story. This is from The Verge, from Jay Peters. Activist Blizzard confirms vaccine mandate is over. Employees will walk out April 4th. Okay, essentially, this is the story that brewed over the last couple of weeks in that uh, at some point, everyone in Activision Blizzard was like working from home. Uh, people who could work in the office were working in the office, but it was a, you don't have to come in with the current pandemic. And I think beyond changing the way workflows work, because here's the thing, ideally, everyone wants to be working in the office together as a creative team. Like as great as working from home and as convenient as it is for people to do that, ideally, when you're in a collaborative position, working in close proximity with other people is the most ideal situation. So yeah. it's totally understandable from a publisher and development team side of the way, like we need mm-hmm. to get our workforce back into the office as quick as possible. So a lot of companies have been adopting a hybrid thing where if you can't come yeah. in, you can't come in. If you can't come in, you can't come in. But converting a mandate where, hey man, you don't need a vaccine. Everyone needs to be in the office. That's I don't wild. care if you got the vaccine. Everyone just has to be in the office. That is so wild. wild shit. <laughs> I wonder if they're um, doing anything with masks and are requiring them or are they banning them? Because I know some businesses ban masks from their place, of, you know, from the business. Really? Yeah, they got a bunch of stores and restaurants that ban masks. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, okay, it's like there are laws that prevent entities, both public and private, from forcing, like, vaccinations essentially uh when it comes to employees but there are also procedures that help ensure like you know like sean said in terms of massing that ensure safety for those that you know may uh legitimately not have you know like they might be immunocompromised or anything like that based on what we're reading here it's like for for those that decide not to be vaccinated they're not being forced to test which is another pathway of ensuring the office is safe testing like that's a thing, so yeah. Like it's just yeah, it's very dangerous, and like there's more variants out there. No, this is this is awful. This is this is absolutely awful. And thoughtfully, the ABK, a better activism blizzard, uh, has pretty much said, "Oh yeah, we're walking out. We're doing another walkout to mm-hmm. protest this." So I cannot fathom how an organization body gets bought out for nearly seventy billion dollars and then doesn't decide. All right, we need to put our Best face for it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know Phil Spencer and the Xbox team is like son of a bitch. Yeah, son of a bitch. Oh, we won't even God. be able to that just like so true. We won't even be able to like start the ball running when they yeah. join us. A seventy billion dollar dumpster fire. We have to continue putting out these fires. Mm-hmm. And then the third story is less bad but more interesting. And this is from Fox Business, uh, from Paul Best. Microsoft purchase of Activision under regulatory scrutiny as lawmakers call out frat boy culture. So I think Jordan has more insight on this than me. But yeah. ultimately, what I can gather from this is that a group of U.S. senators have been monitoring this Activision Blizzard thing. And because Microsoft is a major tech giant who, frankly, has had a tenuous at best relationship with the U.S. government in regards to their expansion, have looked at this and said, oh, no, this is not. This, this does not seem like a good idea, especially with the current state of Activision. And, you know, yeah, yeah look, Avery, Avery's right in terms of like the intentions of the senators. It was Senator Warren, Senator Sanders, um, Senator Booker, and there was a third one. Um, sorry, a fourth one. Um, for context, Senator Warren, she started the Consumer F Protection Bureau, uh, to which, you know, antitrust and all that is her bread and butter. Yeah. 
um, Senator Sanders, you know, firebrand when it comes to progressivism in the Senate. Booker's somewhat over there in the fourth one. Um, the context of the letter itself doesn't seem that informed about both Activision and Microsoft because based on at least its wording was if Activision were to merge with Microsoft, employees at Activision would be in danger. Uh, real like, quick, uh, yes. just to give more contents, the fourth person is Sheldon Whitehouse. Yes. Um, so they're thinking that the employee culture will get worse. As in, I think they're under the impression that currently Microsoft has a awful culture and now that Activision is being merged with it, it's going to get even worse. That doesn't seem right. It seems like staffers got a hold of this and may have given them different information because it's currently Activision is a dumpster fighter. Activision has been proven to be a dangerous place. The merger doesn't equate to more danger as what they are saying. So... It's currently a midterm year. Um, this is a fairly well-known merger out there in terms of like the public zeitgeist. And once the election does come around, it does seem like this could be something that they can bring up when they go back to the constituency and say, all right, we were there to help you know, ensure that the, the merger was scrutinized as best they can when it comes to the FTC. But the wording of the... I don't, I don't know who, who like, the, the staffer is supposed to do a better job informing them what's going on, because there are legitimate concerns to have here about yeah. large mergers, but it's like, come on, you know, come on, guys. They, 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 they could have done a better job of explaining what was going on. Hmm. That's the last of our yeah. stories. All right. Uh, with that being said, now it is time for us to jump into the heavy hitter. Uh, so, as I said at the very, very start of this whole thing that we're doing right now, PlayStation Plus has uh, updated their services, and Jim Ryan himself has put out a blog post on PlayStation Blog about this whole thing happening. Uh, I'm not going to read the blog post because it's just a lot of words just to get to the fact that there will now be three tiers for PlayStation Plus. The first tier is PlayStation Plus Essential, The second tier is PlayStation Plus Extra, and the third is PlayStation Plus Premium. Now, there is a fourth tier. It's called PlayStation Plus Deluxe, and that is for markets without cloud streaming. So PlayStation Plus Deluxe will be offered at a lower price compared to PlayStation Premium and includes a category of beloved classic games from the original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PSP generations to download and play. But um, that's that. All right, so now we can get into the pricing of these things. So PlayStation Plus Essential, actually, I'll talk about the benefits first and then the pricing. So what you get from Essential is essentially what you have right now with PlayStation Plus. So you get two monthly downloadable games, you get exclusive discounts, you get cloud storage for save games, and you get multiplayer access. Um, Well, online multiplayer access. There is no changes for the existing PlayStation Plus members in this tier. So essentially, everyone will have Essential, and they have the choice of upgrading. So the first slot you can upgrade to is PlayStation Plus Extra, which provides all the benefits from the Essential tier. Plus, you get the added category of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, including blockbuster hits from the PlayStation Studio category and third-party partners. Games in the Extra tier are downloadable for play. So... In a weird way, I guess, 
this is kind of new because you get access to a bunch of PS4 games. I'm, I, I, I guess this would be the equivalent of Game Pass. No, well, yes and no. PlayStation Now had PS4 games on it. Oh, it did. Okay, okay. It just so didn't have PS5 just, games. On it. Right. Okay. So this is just the PlayStation 4 section of PS Now. So let's put that. I, okay. I, I would compare this to Game Pass then. Mm-hmm. Or you disagree, Jordan? No, no. I, I I want us to get further in the conversation before I say anything okay. like that because there, there, there's certain things we check. Like we go into, uh, no, no. I, I want to see where this as, goes. I mean, as far as what's offered, like mm-hmm. this gen and last gen games, that's what Game Pass does is give you Xbox well, One and Xbox Series X games. But you also get Xbox 360 and Xbox, right? We have to. We got to get to. Okay. Well, 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 yeah. Not going to derail. And the last tier is PlayStation Premium, which provides all the benefits of or from essential and extra tiers. Mm -hmm. You get an additional 340 games, including PlayStation 3 games available via cloud streaming, not download. That's important. Uh, you get a category of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and PSP generations. Uh, there's offer of cloud streaming access for original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered in the extra and premium tiers in markets, uh, markets being select markets. So that's that. That's what I was talking about, the PlayStation Plus Deluxe. And then customers can stream games using PS4 and PS5 consoles and PC. It's another uh, asterisk there. And then you get the time-limited game trials will also be offered in this tier. So customers can try select games before they buy. So those are the three tiers. In terms of pricing, as I said, the PlayStation Essential is pretty much what we have now. So for the, I'm only going to read the U.S. because... Sorry, you know, there's only U.S. if you live in the U.S., you know what I mean? Anyways, uh, it's $9.99 for the monthly. Uh, it is $24.99 for quarterly, and it is $59.99 for yearly. So that's for essential. For extra, it is $14.99 monthly, $39.99 quarterly, and $99.99 yearly. And that's for extra. For premium, it is $17.99 monthly. quarterly and $119.99 yearly. So those are the three tiers to this new PlayStation Plus subscription service. Now that we have all the information laid out to us, now we can jump into the conversation about this and how it makes us feel in our heart and in our wallets. Sean, you jump first. Go. I wonder if I know it's not explicitly mentioned, but I wonder if PSP is inclusive of PS Vita games. No Vita. Just PSP. So Vita is that category is missing in this entirely. And I'm not I'm not exactly sure why, but I also never owned a Vita. So I'm saying I, I wonder if they're just assuming I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. It, no, yeah. I, what are you gonna say, Avery? I was gonna say I didn't own a Vita as well, so I don't know if the Vita and the PSP stores were oh. like connected so yeah. that theoretically PSP games would be Vita games. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. I got you. No, because it has the touch screen and the touch touchpad on the back, the front and back. So they can't yeah. really emulate that. Now that I, you know, okay. Right. They can. And we'll talk. <laughs> I suppose, but um, I'm going to get it. I mean, $120 yearly. Uh, you get the premium. Tier. The premium. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I pay, I get my, uh, 
PlayStation Plus yearly anyway from um, a website, which sells them cheaper than normal. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love when Sean talks about like, yeah, I, I get this thing. I got ways. And Leave it at that. <laughs> but I mean, one one twenty a year is it bad? I think once again, like I said, that's comparable to uh, Game Pass. Do you pay for your stuff yearly or monthly, uh, Jordan? Well, you can only pay. You, you can't pay mo- yearly for Game Pass. Correct. Oh, it's only monthly that you pay for Game Pass. But the um, the basic Game Pass version, which is ten dollars a month, does equate to one hundred twenty. But the fifteen dollars a month is basically one hundred eighty. But yeah, you cannot pay it yearly, which sucks. Yeah, I wonder why. I think you they can't pay them yearly because they want to get that you pay and forget about a thing. Is that they mm-hmm. want to get you in that one dollar? Oh. oh, I got game back for one dollar, and then it changes to ten, and you just don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Avery, what's your take on this? I've been really. Uh, I guess consistent of how I feel about this. If this is 100%, not for me. Uh, the only positive thing for me out of this is that PlayStation Plus Essential is essentially just normal PlayStation Plus, which I already have. So theoretically, I'm already a subscriber to this new PS Plus model. So hey, I I I bought it. So what are you gonna say? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then for me, I'm I'm pretty much on the same lines of Avery, like. This is this is cool on paper, but I don't ever really have an inkling to go back to like the old PlayStation archives. So the you know PS One, PS Two streaming PS Three games don't really do it for me. And then for the PS Four games, you know I had the PS Four, so the games that I had on there is pretty much the games that I was interested in playing. And also, I feel like PS Plus Essential does a good job with the whole two monthly downloadable games. So. As it is right now, I don't think I'm going to be getting any of this. The only thing that I'm really missing out on is the game trials. And I mm. think I'd need more time to see what that really looks How like in the game. Out. Yeah. And then, like, if it's good, if it's just like, oh, here's a game trial to God of War or something. It's like, oh, that's that's actually kind of cool that they're doing that for those kind of games. And, then, you know, that could make me jump into the the different tiers but as is right now I, i'm i'm pretty good on passing on this they need to give you um, a game trial to a new gundam game hey you know hey all the gundam games are free for the most part so you hey. downloading them is a trial i'm just saying if they trick me somehow and it, and it works it, it works they got my money you know all right jordan how, how do you feel about this uh similar to the will smith chris rock smack I had like a few days to digest this and like understand mm. what I was looking at here. No, no, it wasn't that egregious. Um, uh, yeah, it's it just, hmm, this was a lot, you know, like this wasn't just like a, like a, like a, a changeover for their basic PlayStation plus system for me. Like this felt like a fairly systemic thing, especially when it comes to the backwards compatibility around. I mean, PlayStation now did have some select, PlayStation 1, 2 games, though 3 was still uh, via streaming there. Um, Part of me is like, I'm not going to cap. The emulation within Xbox was a deliberate effort that took a lot of time to get where it is right now, to to which you can put in a Xbox original 360 one into a Series X and boom. I'm not expecting someone to do that overnight, but it just feels like 
because of the formatting, like I, I understand Nintendo had a little bit of leeway because you know the GameCube and the N sixty four and all the like those are very different formats, you know, of video game media. But when you go back to the PS2, PS1, PS3, like those are still your compact discs. Like, I just I don't want it to be locked behind a subscription for it. Um, earlier, I had put an article about how much Xbox paid for Guardians of the Galaxy, at least the assumed amount for it to be on Game Pass. I was like five to ten million dollars. I similar to what y'all was like. I want to see more in terms of like the actual content of the catalog before I pass judgment on this because this does mm-hmm. seem like. A bit of a starting off point for those that aren't quote unquote power gamers like us that just wants to have that subscription service available for them to, you know, go into different games while at the same time it's not the end of the world for not to be day and date. I totally see sometime down the line Sony slowly starts putting in like these um changes to which it's not day and date. You can get God of War Ragnarok six months after release. That's fairly tantalizing to me, or like some like a, a window uh, in the future yeah. for which yeah. you know you have all these third party games going onto the service, but like those big ones, it's like you can get this you know later on. Not everybody has to play everything day one like we do. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like this this is not like you know trash garbage. Fine. Like this is a starting off point to something that's most likely going to expand uh, going forward, especially as they integrate their, you know, PlayStation ecosystem now that also includes PC. Yeah. So my thing with this, and like, I've already talked about this is not for me. I've already talked about on multiple cases, Game Pass isn't for me. It's not the way I play games. That being said, the only way to get me to be a Game Pass subscriber, like actually religiously, is for Microsoft to release games specifically for Game Pass. Which means the only way I can play that game, and I'm interested in that game, is for oh, yeah. Game Pass. And that's literally yeah. why I ended up having a Netflix, why I ended up having other streaming mm-hmm. services and things like that. It's because they have a content that is exclusive, and it's the only way to get it from there. Because uh, like, when Netflix was the first thing, I was buying everything on fucking DVDs. I had all these Blu-rays, and like, I just wanted to watch Daredevil. And I'm like, all right, Blockbuster. And I can't, and like, you don't understand how much time I searched for Daredevil Season 1 Blu-rays. And like it, they would be advertised on Amazon, but like, right. were they ever coming out? But yeah, so like that's the content I want, and like it's very interesting in Sony's live service focused multiplayer expansive. Hey, we're gonna have ten live service type of games. That where those games live is probably going to be on that extra tier. And to Jordan's point, my ultimate judgment on this system is going to be a: what is that first four hundred games catalog going to look yeah. like? Because if it's what is on PlayStation now, which is like mostly shovelware, that's kind of unappealing and like not the best right. look forward. And B, what is the expansion going to look like for the essential tier? Because mm-hmm. one of the issues that, uh, like to Jordan's earlier point about the deliberateness of what Xbox was doing with backwards compatibility, is they had to go in and perfectly re-emulate all those games in order to apply all the bells and whistles that they wanted to do on them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to deal with the cell architecture of those old games. That mm. too. But oh, uh, I, wait, just to jump in real quick, I did not mention when the whole time frame of this launching. So oh, yeah. in the June time frame, we'll begin with an initial launch in several markets in Asia, followed by North America, Europe, and the rest of the world where PlayStation Plus is offered. All right, yeah. continue. Okay, so but like to reiterate something that I say, and that I guess the marketing says. Old game is old. And we scream <laughs> about backwards compatibility. We scream about it on like 
on the most hardcore gamers screaming about backwards compatibility all the time. But when the individuals look at the numbers, they're like, I only 5% of the people who've been screaming about backwards compatibility are actually using these services. Yeah. So you're, you're telling me you don't want to jump between Sonic Adventure 2 and Mercenaries in the same mm-hmm. sitting? You don't want to do mm-hmm. that? I think it's just like the people who uh, scream for cheap manual, you know, stick shift cars yeah. to come to market, but then only want to buy them used. No, everybody's right. So to that point, like Microsoft has stopped doing their backwards compatibility. Yeah, it's over. It's, it's like they've come out and said, here are the last couple games we're doing it. It's been a labor of love. I'm of the mindset if the backwards compatibility with Microsoft was like on and popping, they would be still doing that to this day in regards to like I, what other things about our, our backwards catalog is going to be added. But the difference between Microsoft and Sony is that Sony also has the PlayStation 1. They also have the PSP. They also have, right. they have all these other catalogs to Gosh. add on to those 300 games. And I'm like, are we getting a Nintendo Switch Online situation where like, hey, what's the cadence of games they're going to be putting from those older software on there? Because like, well, I don't want back backwards old game is old and I really get the inkling to go back and play an old game without like, uh, without it being sold to me again as something new with new features. If uh, Mega Man Battle Network 1 and 2 were on there, I would play it in a heartbeat. What about Mega Man Legends? I never played Legends. I played Legends 2. Yeah, mm. I, I think I think what it boils down to is that the the, the category or the the list of games that are going to be present on this list has to appeal to the people, you know, who are going to be signing up for this, because if it doesn't and if it is just like the normal PlayStation Now stuff, then people are going to carry on because it's just a normal PlayStation Now. And if you don't have PlayStation Now, then you don't necessarily care for those games, you know? Yeah. All right, I'm going to throw another article at us. Um, so this comes from VGC by way of Jordan Midler. Uh, Sony claims every major publisher will support the new PlayStation Plus games library. Yeah, yeah so that's my thing. With PlayStation Now, Sony would cycle in their own catalog. With this new system, those games have to just exist there. Like, if you put God of War 2018 on there, it has to just stay there. You can't get yeah. rid of it. It has to just sit there. There's no shoving in and out. It has to sit there. And this essential has to evolve into a catalog of old Sony games. Because, like, to a certain extent, it has to be just a backlog. You can't shovel that, in and out. That's what Game Pass is. Yeah, exactly. In a world where Game Pass exists as a catalog of Microsoft games, like, even in the absence of them giving us a time period for, hey, when this game is going to be there, if you do know that that game is always just going to be there, then that just alleviates that like Anxiety. that time frame issue that you need to know. Yeah. And then my, my last thing I want to say about this is my only concern is that someone who's getting places in plus essential. What does this mean for the uh, two free game situation? Are we going to get the current go games with gold shovelware kind of a thing where Microsoft is ignored? Yeah. They don't give a fuck about it no more, dude. It's trash. Anything. It's and just trash. what is the either thing <laughs> we can get there? Yeah. Or are we going to get a good enough? I, I, I don't need brand new. I just need of a certain quality. And I mean, I will will say as of right now, the current uh, PS plus games have been of varying quality. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that's going to change. Cause like, it's been better than gold though. Shit. Is it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's been better than gold. (laughs) I looked at gold one year. There's a reason why no one talks about games with gold as an announcement. (laughs) Games with what? 
Typically, PlayStation Plus games normally had a Metacritic score of at least 75 or higher, 80 or higher, something like that. I'm going to look it up. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Here's another thing about the difference between Plus and Expert and Essential is that in a world where they're giving you those games on Essential, those games are going to disappear because of contracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Things about being on Essential, they're just in your library as long as you have Essential. So when you don't own them, you own them. So like, there's a thing about redeeming them. One, one thing that now, and this is a plus for now, that now did better than Game Pass, was they actually had a time frame for when games are going to leave. Game Pass doesn't do that. Like I'm in a constant uh, nightly cold sweat of when Yakuza leaves. <laughs> I'm just hoping, God, it's not tomorrow. But when uh, I think Borderlands came out like uh, on, on now last year, they gave you a specific time of when mm-hmm. it was going to leave. And I, if they take that too extra... I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad y'all tell me. I'm glad I can like organize my shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um so one other thing I wanted to throw into this conversation, mm-hmm. and I think ultimately the question should be like, is PlayStation Plus premium a good deal? Remains to be seen. I, I cannot tell right now. Yeah, in terms of catalog, yeah, we don't yeah. know. So I can't even tell you if it's like, is this like the banger list of PS1 games uh, plus PS2 and PS3 games? Or this is like, mm-hmm. what deals we could make at this time to get games on there and whether they're going to stay there or not. But in terms of like, I guess, from everything else they purport for premium combined with its price, I think it's more than fair. Yeah, I'm in in agreement of just like, yeah, they're providing you with a a lot of games. And even if you know PS Now, but if you look at this announcement, you're like, oh, that's a that's a big number of games. Let me actually go check that list. Like you you may or may not, but you most likely will find something that there's a bunch of stuff that I bookmarked that I wanted to try at some point in time. So, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not a terrible list. There are games that I I miss. Like I typically don't buy a game if I don't get it at a launch. The most exciting thing that could come out of PS Plus Premium is if A, those games on there get trophy support and any other like minor mm-hmm. like boost to what they uh, output and things like that. And B, if I could physically buy those games from the PlayStation Store. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. If I could buy those games from the PlayStation Store, then like it's my same fucking uh, thing why I like Amazon Prime so much. Is that yeah. I can just buy this movie if I want to. Or B, if I can't and they do all that stuff there, I will 100% go back to old games with trophies. I will get oh, premium yeah. because they've given them trophies. Yeah, actually, the, the trophy support is actually... Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've heard anyone really talk about the possibilities of that. Well, I think if it's like, if this is a vast list of games, then like, yeah. you can kiss, oh, yeah. you can kiss yeah. trophy support goodbye. Because that's yeah. something them individually having to go in and retrofit. But that's if it's like a point. small curated list of games that's constantly expanding and Getting trophies? I don't know. I would, I would imagine that the PS3 games, because that's when they introduced them, right? Yeah, yeah. It would still well, have it built in. Well, it, well, it depends, because like in the first year and a half of PS3, no mm-hmm. games have trophies. Trophies were a secondary thing they took from Xbox. Uh, yeah. So like Metal Gear Four, which I played four or five times, no trophies on that game. Mm. <laughs> so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the the last little thing to go along with this topic, it is also about PlayStation and it's also about Jim Ryan because Jim Ryan says more acquisitions are coming. 
this comes from GameSpots by Eddie Makuch. Makuch? Makuchi? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. my last name is uh, eluding me. Anyways, um, Sony Interactive Entertainment president Jim Ryan has promised that the company will continue to acquire more studios in the future following a big buying spree in 2021. Sony uh, acquired five studios in 2021, and in 2022, so far, it's announced the uh, deal to buy Destiny 2 developer Bungie and Jade Raymond's Haven Studios. Uh, this is cool. So there was a specific thing that Ryan said that it, the, the internet is a buzz with. Jim Ryan says, putting these games into a subscription service immediately upon their release this would break their virtuous cycle. Uh, the games that he's talking about, he's talking about the first party studio games. So like God of War, we're talking about Last of Us, we're talking about Horizon. And everyone kind of jumped on the whole virtuous cycle. Like that's so interesting. That's a brand new PR term that I'm going to start yeah. using in casual conversation. It sounds awesome. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a Metal Gear term. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, just to continue reading on that quote, and we wouldn't be able to invest in the way that we're currently able to. And so we're not doing it, he said. And, you know, this is just to go along the idea of we'll make the first party games, uh, you know, day one, like put, put them on the service day one. That will do what it needs to do to compete with Game Pass. And I think Sony's in a position or PlayStation in a position right now that they didn't really want to be in. And Microsoft kind of pushed their hand in terms of, Hey, we're gonna put our first party games on Game Pass. What are you gonna do, Sony? And Sony was like, we're just gonna ignore that and keep doing what we're doing. But they've just gotten to the point now where they had to respond and this is their response. So Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. So like their response, uh, I think what's interesting in his response is he's not opposed to it. It's just that they have no real reason to do it. And then yeah. in regards to the virtuous cycle situation and what that means is that I've been, always been of the mindset that when you make a service that's built on numbers of subscribers yeah. instead of guaranteed dollars, that you have to change the way you make games to fulfill those tenants, if that makes sense. And so you can't make a $100, like, 24-hour Naughty Dog game on the traditional subscription model. Uh, me and Jordan had a uh, back and forth in regards to what about Microsoft and they released uh, Psychonauts 2, Halo, and Forza all during that period in sort of opposition to what Ryan has said. And then my response to that was that outside of Forza, both Halo and Psychonauts weren't developed with a Game Pass model in mind. Like Halo probably started development right after Halo 5 ended, which was before Game Pass, all that sort of like conceptualing what the game would be changed. That being said, the Halo Infinite moniker of it and what that became, I think was sort of shifted toward a Game Pass model for mm-hmm. benefits in here and there. As a live service. For, yeah. for, Forza Horizon 4. Forza Horizon was 100% uh, developer Game Pass. Uh, and I think that is the type of game that works the most on a Game Pass-like service. One that is yeah, a man. living, breathing service that doesn't have an end, that you can constantly come in and come out, and if you constantly update it, it just lives and breathes on there. Hence, live services work a lot better on a subscription gaming platform than sort of composed experiences. And in regards to Psychonauts, that's a game that was already in development before Microsoft bought uh, 
a double fine and just kind of has to live on the service. And to that extent, those type of games work a lot at a catalog title where like it's made its eventual sales. And now it's just word of mouth, people seeing it on the service and just playing it from there. But I, I don't think it's sustainable to make like high profile single player games without like live service attachment to it or multiplayer on a subscription oh. service. Here's the thing, and I, I do agree with your point, Avery, but like, you know, we can't compare Microsoft to Sony in terms of resources. You know, mm. Xbox does have, well, Microsoft does have the positioning to take those hits of like a $100 million single player game going in there and not making the same amount as God of War does on the first weekends, the first months. So mm. it's like, it's not so much apples and oranges. Sony is doing the responsible thing. In no way is Sony compromising their system that has right. given us games like Horizon Forbidden West, like Ratchet and Clank, and God of War. But at the same time, it's like to Jim Ryan's language, there is a bit of flexibility there to which at original at the beginning of the conversation, I'm like six months down the line. Three months like like further away from that day and date and still having some type of a lore to people subscribing because they're, they're still subscriptions in its essence, no matter what the industry is still fairly lucrative to these companies. Like it's like that, you know, perpetual paycheck. It's like a, like a salary payment every week. I'd rather you pay it every week than, you know, once after every big project like that. That's what right. it seems like salaries to these companies. Yeah. To that, I think it's interesting. In regards to that, I think if we're ever going to see when those games show up on the subscription services, I think there are two avenues. There's either Sony looking at their fucking tea leaves and like, all right, when do we get our big chunk of change for our money? And when does it mm-hmm. taper off? If it tapers off mm-hmm. in like six months, then that's the tenor they're going to start seeing games showing up on there because it's not really going to be making them that much money on its own. So why don't you just put it there? Or interesting enough, when those games get their PC release. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. PC ecosystem. Yeah, the PC is a thing. Yeah. yeah. The PlayStation ecosystem now. Because yeah. I call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> PlayStation PC, I think, or PC PlayStation. I don't know. One of the two. Um, okay. Yeah. So. PC Stokes, I'm just playing. We didn't have any. Dang Let's go. Uh, all right. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is, that's pretty much. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, any step forward is a good step forward for PlayStation and their services. And this is just one of those step fours and we'll just have to see what happens in terms of will this be a thing that we will all invest in or is it just going to be a Sean thing, you know? So <laughs> at least if it's a Sean thing, he'll let us know what we're missing out on. So. <laughs> Jordan will finally have a worthy opponent in talking about Game Pass if Sean is the, <laughs> the guy talking about, hey man, I play this game on PS Plus Extra. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> worthy opponent. All right. Well, that has been our heavy hitter. And now, before we jump into what we've been playing, here's a word from our sponsors. It's us. Hey, everybody. Have you been enjoying this episode so far? Would you like to make sure you keep getting the best last news reviews and all things video games? Then we need your help. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have, share it with your friends, your family, frenemies, people down the street. Every little bit helps. To see what we're up to throughout the week, follow us on and either Facebook and Instagram at PressX the number two start, on Twitter at PressX number two S, and on YouTube at PressX to start TV. If you've done this, many thanks. You're one of the good ones. 
And now let us jump into what we have been playing. All right, uh, Jordan, you have been playing something that is not Elden Ring, so please, please elaborate on this game that you have been spending your hard and precious time on. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm still a measly tarnish in Elden Ring. I have no updates, but um, yeah, it's going to be super quick. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands uh, is basically a Borderlands 3 version of the original Tiny Tina spin-off DLC. It is more Borderlands for your Borderlands. Um, there are some game mechanics that I hope they bring into Borderlands 4. Hopefully Borderlands 4 does not take more than eight or nine years, however long the fucking game was. Um, one mechanic is very much so more RPG-ish to which you actually can put points into your character, like strength, constitution, dexterity, cool. intelligence. That is cool. It, it makes it more easier to understand your damage output better than the original Borderlands game. Like, that was fairly murky, and now they did it there. You know, um, your girl, Ash, coming back to Santina, she's coming back with the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very exhausting in terms of each battle area. Like, like their, their mapping system is still trashy. I don't... Yeah. Like, they're big open areas. Like, it's, it's too much. It's too much. Mm-hmm. And the enemies respawn and shit like that. But... This is a game for Borderlands fans. If you do not have any problems with Borderlands 3, and there are many legit problems that even Borderlands fans like myself had, <laughs> you're going to find this game being fine. It's just more Borderlands for your Borderlands. If you want to pick it up, this is like the this is like the the third seventy dollar game I bought. First of Action Clank, second was Elden Ring. This is the third one, and I'm buying another seventy dollar game, which should be Lego Star Wars because I'm a Lego yeah. Star Wars nerd. That's do you all feel I funny paying full price for games? I do. I'm like, God damn, this is half my internet <laughs> going into one thing. I mean, it's 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 fine. It's uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, all right. So that has been uh, Tiny Tina. Now let us jump into some of the Elden Ring update. Avery, where are you at, dude? I'm like, ah. Uh... According to my fucking PlayStation 3 cards, I'm still 33% in the game. I am 80-something hours into this game. Everything south of the Atlas Plateau, I've beaten, and I'm still 33% into this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I'm, I'm level 115. That scares <laughs> me. That scares me. Legit wait, scares uh, me. Wait, did you, did you do some farming? How'd you No. Oh, I just like I said, I don't farm. I just play. Oh, you're 80 hours in. Okay, yeah, never mind, never mind, never mind. (laughs) This is life, dog. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's wild though because I was 33 percent into the game when I beat Radon, and I thought if I go and beat the Academy Lady, it will jump up. But yeah, I'm also 33 percent, and I don't understand what is counting. Like what what what's happening? I'll check my thing later. I'm curious. Yeah, and like my infuriation with this game. Is because I'm in love with it. Is that like, man, stop throwing multiple enemies at me as boss fights. Oh, yikes. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. uh, you know, in the, uh, uh, the round table hold, there's this one lady who asked for a hug. And when you yeah. hug, she's yeah. your debuff. She has an entire yeah. quest mm-hmm. that you can go on. And at the end of her quest, there is a series of two bosses. The first boss is like, oh, it just summons a random person, one on one fight. Okay. I kicked his ass. Then it summons another person. Okay, another fight. 
really deleting. And then it summons three people for a third yeah. phase, and it's completely RNG, so they can all be magic users, and you can't even take a 1v1 fight, because oh. one person is just shooting fucking magic at you from an angle that you can't really deal with. Yeah, whenever you're, like, in my go, I'll, I'll talk about, because I, I feel that stress, and it's just, it's a frustration that I have as well, but continue, continue going. Yeah. So like at this point in the game, I am. Are you still heavy in in decks and in strength? Dude, I've got sixty fucking decks, and like, uh, like I, at this point, I'm putting points into other things because I pretty much hit the uh, soft oh, cap for dexterity. Yeah. So like, I'm not gonna get much putting into dexterity. So like, maybe maybe I go all into bleed and start putting shit into arcane to see how that works out. But right now, I'm at the Atlas Plateau. I'm trying to explore up there in the northern section of the map and do things. Uh, is that after the um, the giant gate lift thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, at this point in the game, the only way I'm leveling up is by fighting bosses because, like, it costs it so takes, much money to level. Yeah. It take, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Sean, where are you at? I played a few games, but I'll keep it short. Um, played GTA Online because I bought it. Whatever it was, ten dollars for GTA Five. I plan on platinum it at some point. Wait, you bought GTA Online? You never bought I GTA? Bought, I bought GTA Five. The PS5 upgrade of it. Oh, yeah, just saying. Oh, right. Okay. Or it, it was on sale, whatever. All my stuff transferred over. Um, I still had on the same clothes since GTA Online launched back in God knows when. This shit dust. Dusty. Dusty ass clothes. I actually got a, a haircut. You know, I got rid of my EES haircut and uh, got some new clothes. Did you play the uh, Franklin uh, the, the story update or whatever? Not yet. And Do you plan on buying it? I'm going to. Um, what do you mean by buying it? Like it costs money. You have to buy like a, you have to buy a record studio, and then you're able to play it. I probably have enough money for that. I just bought some mobile defense thing for like three million. I still got one point five million left. Nice, good purchase. Because I mean, I, I had money from like back when they were like duplicating the shit back yeah. then. Oh yeah, that was a hell of a deal that Sony had with uh, Take Two of million dollars a month. Yeah, that shit so was very I, strong. I had also been um basically claiming those whenever i remember yeah. to yeah um i forgot how many little kids are on this game just cursing like sailors this shit is <laughs> crazy i don't remember cursing this much as a child <laughs> it's the new modern warfare lobby <laughs> i've heard a whole bunch of kill yourself and just <laughs> dude you suck and That's i have to like <laughs> I, I, I had to catch myself from responding like, <laughs> in such a manner that might get me banned. Um, <laughs> but no, um, look better than the PS4 version. That's my yeah, yeah, that's yeah. My yeah. I, I can't really tell that much of a difference. I'm sure it's better, but I mean, it already looks good to begin with. Yeah, I just really wish they would improve, or maybe it's something I need to do, but improve the shooting in this game. For as much combat as they want you to do. Yeah, it's never been good. Not, GTA well, I mean, hasn't ever. I'm just saying, we can hope that it gets better in GTA 6. I mean, we can hope, yeah. Um, I played Fortnite with Douglas. We got washed by some Bruno Mars looking fools. Um, <laughs> Don't believe he just watched. <laughs> Disrespectful. Could have been just Bruno Mars because his skin is in the game. I mean, no, it, but it was two of them. <laughs> <laughs> they were both dressed like Bruno Mars. <laughs> um, this bitch. <laughs> Are they dancing in unison? What the fuck? 
I had fun with it. I, I think I just have to get back into the rhythm of Fortnite because I've been going so hard at Apex ever since it came out. It's like speaking fucking French playing Fortnite, dude. Even with yeah. no building, <laughs> even with no building, I was just like, I where's the switch my gun? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. What does square do? Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, like boy. I think I died one time just because I couldn't figure out how to switch my gun fast enough where I didn't have like enough ammo or something. Like it's just Yeah. Did you or Avery do the PUBG? Well, I'm not saying PUBG, but like the non-building version of it. Is that's that, the only that, one that, I, that's what I did. Okay. How's it feel? I mean the sliding and mantling feels good, but Apex is just still the chef's yeah. kiss. They yeah, put a lot into like the the problem I have with the movement mechanics they added to the new one is that one mantling is weirdly inconsistent in that like I don't know what you can mantle. Yeah, what at what height this character is just going to mantle up, or I just yeah. like have to jump onto the thing. And B, there's a stamina bar if you're running, so yeah. it's great and everything, Double. but like. It runs out. <laughs> it, like it runs out really quick to be like that's new though, you... right? Yeah. yeah, I think like um, Apex still has vertical wall climbing up until a point, and then you'll mantle with something. I don't yeah. think this has that. No, it does. The issue is they're like I like as as much as I hate building, like using ramps to take cover is so easy because literally I won a game by going to the top of a mountain. They're just standing there because yeah. they couldn't climb it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm going to play some more to see what the hell that's all about. Invite I, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I played the uh, Returnal. No, DJ, you suck. Um. <laughs> oh, real quick. I was supposed to jump on last night. Every eye, I passed all the way out. <laughs> excuses. I excuses. I was up till five in the morning. Like, huh, this man's not coming. <laughs> man. Um,. So they added a co-op to Returnal. I helped somebody beat the game. You know, just I jumped in a random person's game or whatever. However the hell the matchmaking works. <laughs> they did scale up the difficulty for some of the, you know, mobs in there. Yeah, I heard it was super difficult. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I platinum the game, so it's not that damn hard, at least to me. Okay. It's not mm-hmm. that damn hard. But um, I, I can you, definitely you have, tell. like, your, your updated equipment and stuff? When you started it's not the way the game works okay okay <laughs> um i think you are locked basically to what they have unlocked in the game because at one point i jumped in the water and died i'm like oh shit you haven't unlocked that yet <laughs> uh, <laughs> like i just jumped in there to uh, get some item or something at the bottom and well no i didn't die i lost health but still okay um you lost integrity yeah yeah. I'm going to go get some from Integrity Farms. Integrity Farms. Get Integrity. And then they have the Tower of Sisyphus, which I started doing. And um, the scores that some people have on there is fucking bonkers. They're in like the nine digits, uh, you know, a couple hundred millions. Oh my God. And uh, they have added story to this mode. So I'm going to play it until I complete it because it seems interesting. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that's pretty much it. I, I I'm just gonna get more into that. Yeah, I was excited to play the Returnal DLC up until they reveal that. Oh yeah, we we up the difficulty for the deal with a co-op partner. I'm like, the game is already hard enough. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, to address the difficulty for anybody out there listening and playing, don't worry about actually trying to kill the monster. Just worry about staying alive. It will die eventually. Just keep moving. Just keep swimming. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Um, so I had uh, I didn't read the news docket, so I thought um, Sean was going to talk about Elden Ring. Oh, you didn't so know that Sean hasn't played Elden Ring about a week. So that's two. why I threw it to him. But um, I, I, I will just close this off by talking about uh, my Elden Ring journey. So I think I'm 48 hours into this game. So that's exactly, I think, 18 hours from the last time I talked about this game. Because I think I was 30 hours or something in then. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying this game. I am frustrated with some of the some of the nuances in how the gameplay works. Yeah. For example, I was in one of the catacombs and I was fighting a gargoyle and I don't understand why the what, gargoyle... Which one of the 500 exact catacombs you walk into? <laughs> it's the one that you walk in, you make a left and there's just more catacombs. I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, cool, okay, cool, cool. Now it's a down. Was it dark? It, it, was, it was dark, yeah, okay. yeah. But um, I was fighting a gargoyle and I think at this point I was close to my line of like, I think I'm done for the night, but I'm going to push it by just doing this one last catacomb. And I was again, fighting this gargoyle. He had a long sword and I went to hit him. My sword hit the wall, bounced off. He went to hit me and his sword clipped all the way through the wall and clipped through my body and cut me in half. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, how is this? Okay. Like, it sounds like you shouldn't be a regular player. That is, that, DJ, I will tell you, what you just experienced is something that's been in every Souls game. I like, would imagine. You, you paying attention to the geometry and recognizing whether to thrust and or slash, and your weapons will bounce off a solid surface, and the enemies won't. So yeah. Hold on, hold on. I got the perfect explanation for you. DJ, what you didn't realize is that he knew where there was a gap in the wall that he can slice through and hit you. <laughs> You just can see gar- it from your angle. <laughs> I, my, my sword went to sling and it bounced off the wall. The gargoyle stopped time and was like, ha you fell for my trap. I actually spent the last three years carving out this perfect little slice in the wall so I could put my sword through and cut you in half. Bitch. <laughs> he just marked another tally. You are another victim, DJ. Right? <laughs> but um, yeah, like beyond that, like beyond my little frustrations here and there, like I'm having fun with the game. But I think I might be hitting that point of like open world fatigue. And like when I think about it, I don't think I had this same like, all right, I think I need to do something new. That may be what it is for me as well. I kind of just got to like, eh, whatever. That yeah. would be a far cry. Yeah. God damn. But um, like I think the other side to it, and I'm more frustrated by this because there's points where I want to know like, what is happening in this world? But like, I just beat the um, the the academy lady or whatever, and yeah. she was holding this like death training baby. Yeah, yeah, BB. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And then like her second phase, it sounded like Ronnie the witch was talking, and I'm like, oh, yes, Ronnie, that was Ronnie. Ron? That was Ronnie. So yeah. I'm just like, oh, because I I'm I'm aligned with her. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess it's like a cutscene where I'm not going to have to fight this person. And then like I had the fight and I was just like, is, is that lady her mother or something? So it's hard to spoil Souls games because of the nature in which they're told. Yes, uh, Renalia is Ronnie's mother. Ronnie is an elder god because her father, I want to say, no, fuck, I forgot. 
Like to explain the familial tree in Elden Ring is yeah. is like I'm pretty sure this is where George R. R. Martin came in and started writing shit because okay. there's the the lady who ran everything. She married a man and then she divorced that man and married another man and that man had been well Ronala's husband dad. and Ronnie's yeah. dad. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that part I got and I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool, but like. I almost feel like there should have been some kind of more cutscenes. I guess, yeah, because like it's 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 one of those things where I want to pay attention to this stuff, but because of the use of so much names and and stuff, I'm just like, this definitely feels like where I was at when I was playing Destiny, where it's like, oh man, the gameplay is cool, like the stuff that's happening is cool, but then they're talking about stuff that just happened off screen. I'm just like. I don't who who are these people and like I literally had to go to a YouTube person to figure out like the stuff that was talked about in the game that wasn't shown I was just like oh, okay and like the thing is like at that point then I had the time and I had the like willingness to go and, and watch or listen to like 30 minute long videos about lore from this one segment of the destiny story and like now I'm just like I don't, I just want to get a little stronger so I can see what that magic spell does when I equip it. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> but um, yeah, like overall, I'm having a good time, like barring the whole, you know, little areas where I'm just like, ah, that sucks that this happened. Oh, and then there's one thing I, I mentioned um, before we recorded, but I'm going to put this on air so it's, it's known in case you happen to be fighting um, Renala. Uh, her second phase, I... I used my mimic tier and we pretty much just beat her <laughs> until she was done. But um, she summoned her shadow dragon thing right before she died. So I killed her. I got the great enemy felled and then I got her ruin. And then the dragon was like, well, fuck you. And he started blowing fire as it was like celebrating my win. And I almost died because I had to dodge roll out the way. But this game you can't do anything when there's a prompt on screen. So you have to press triangle and then you can do whatever action. So I came moments from dying after beating the boss because the game was like, nah, this, this enemy is still an enemy that has a life bar. So it, it, it's going to attack you. So you figure that out. <sighs> but Avery told me that like, if it says great enemy fell, then it, even if you die after the game acts like you're fine. Ah, but yeah, that's my time with Elden Ring. Are we have we done it? Did we complete this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yes. Platinum trophy unlocked. All right. Well, this has been a, another episode of Press X Star Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend after you hit the notification button of this YouTube video. Remember, our our podcasts and our videos. We drop them weekly on Fridays, so make sure you're there to check them out in case you don't know what you should know by now. Well, you you take care, you be safe, and uh, you have a good day. And if you can't have a good day, don't make it a bad day for anyone else. There you go.